Hey, everyone. So uh, there is no new Sawbones episode this week because of, well, travel and uh, stomach bugs and kids, you know, just life, man, life, you know. But hey, uh, good news. I had this thought. Well, you know, it'd be a really funny Sawbones episode is to uh, uh, go through all the injuries from Home Alone and see how badly the the wet bandits would have died. And you know what's funny about that exact idea? Uh, we did it <laughs> in 2018. Uh, and I figure, hey, if I forgot that we did that, maybe you missed it as well. So I wanted to uh, resurface it here for you. No new episode this week. We'll have one for you next week. Uh, but Sydney told me what, what it's going to be. It's goofy, but it'll be fun. But for now, please enjoy this uh, this wet bandits Autopsy? That's too grim. Uh, anyway, enjoy. Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right, Tom is about the books. One, two, one, two, three, four. We came across a pharmacy with its windows blasted out. Huntington, West Virginia. It's so nice to be at home. I know. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host, Justin Tyler McElroy. And I'm Sydney Smurl McElroy. It's fine. It's fine. You know, I thought maybe on candle nights, maybe... Um, <laughs> That's all right. This is so exciting. I know, it is. Know. It's beautiful here in this, yeah. this wonderland, this Candlemite's wonderland. And I get to sit at your desk? Yeah, the yeah. super desk, we call it. It's amazing. Actually, the, uh, this, uh, this, this desk is a sort of a historic, I guess you could say. It's kind of a... They actually brought it from the Smithsonian here, which I thought was so sweet, because it's, it's a good seven hours. Um, drive and heavy but it's part of TV history in the hit series MASH uh, it was no okay <laughs> no so what festive um, uh, Candle Nights medical lesson have you prepared for us today Sydney in past years you've told us uh, all the health problems that Santa had mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you told us uh, all the different Christmas things that could kill you. Yep, that's okay. true. What have, you, what have you got for us this time? <laughs> well, I thought I would do something maybe a little more fun. Okay, good. And, and I am not, I am aware that this has been done before, but I, we have not done it. Okay. So has it really been done? I would say I, not. I don't know. Technically I speaking. Mean, we, 
So I, I wanted to talk about the movie Home Alone. Now, I have not seen it, so this is going to be kind of a double education for me. I know that to be a lie. We have the entire collection on DVD in like a paint can. It's like a paint, it's like a gift set. It's adorable. <laughs> they, it came with three and four, but I threw them in the trash. No, I don't want to talk, I'm only focusing on the original. Uh, I do love Home Alone 2, but that seems like a good topic for next Candle Night. Exactly, so I'm off on that one. But if, if you have not seen the movie Home Alone, I'm assuming most people have, but just in case, uh, in the film, there is an eight-year-old boy, Kevin, who is left home alone over Christmas by his family. Charlie watched this for the first time this year, <laughs> and she was incredibly distressed. <laughs> I, I Just like monumentally, like, she had to check it with us like four times, like, so his parents are gone? When I came into the room, I said, hey, Charlie, what are you watching? And she looked at me and she said, it's called They Left Him Alone. <laughs> it may, she may be a little young for it. <laughs> because, of course, then the next, the next part of the plot is that burglars try to break into the home and the eight-year-old has to defend it by himself. I thought she'd be so jized, like... <laughs> No, wait, just hang in there, because he's about to just wreck shop on these two guys. And she didn't enjoy that part as much. I was like, oh, that's right, you're not broken. You're only, <laughs> you're only three. You don't have that, like, vengeance. Just, like, need it, like I do at 37. Now, before I get into... So, so Kevin defends his home with a series of very dangerous tricks and traps and other things. And we'll get into why maybe some of these things... Uh, are a little unrealistic. But before, there are a couple issues that nobody ever talks about medically in this film. Early in the movie, <laughs> early in the movie, we, Kevin has his whole extended family staying at his house. So there's lots of people in the house. And he is told he's going to have to sleep with Fuller, who is his cousin, but played by his brother. Kieran. Kieran Culkin. Culkin. Yeah, Macaulay See here? Culkin is Kieran? The, is the lead. I sent some tickets <laughs> out, but no, he didn't make it. And he's, and he's, they, they laugh because they say, you're going to have to sleep with Fuller, and Fuller wets the bed. And then we see Fuller, who is chugging a Pepsi and smiling at him the whole time. Which is like, I'm going to pee on you. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's like a pretty good intimidation move, Fuller. And I just want to say that from a medical standpoint, if his parents are aware that he has primary nocturnal enuresis, you know, the least they could do is try to restrict his fluid intake that close to bedtime. Okay. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's right before bed, he's chugging a Pepsi, really? That's, that's true. That's true, Sid. <laughs> no one ever talks Drag about em. that. <laughs> Poor kid, come on. Yeah. Where's but mom he's and like, dad? Okay, but he's nasty. Like, look at him. <laughs> he loves wetting the bed. <laughs> he loves it. I, I will also say, and I will not dwell on this because it's pretty dark, but uh, Kevin, while he's there alone, before the, before the hijinks with the burglars take place, he needs to steal his brother's uh, money <laughs> 
So he climbs, uh, he's in his brother's room and his brother has all these like built-in shelves in his bedroom and he climbs to the top of these shelves to get to the money on the top shelf and he fully falls. It's savage. Like, like and the you entire, watch, it's brutal. The entire shelving unit breaks and collapses on top of him mm-hmm. and a tarantula falls on him and he's fine. He like digs out from under rubble. It's yeah, ridiculous. He's like pulling broken boards off of him. He's eight. The unkillable boy. <laughs> but uh, but he has vengeance in his blood, and he's going to he's going to take it out on the wet bandits, Marv and Harry, who are robbing all of the houses on the block because everyone leaves for Christmas. That's what everyone does mm-hmm. in this neighborhood. In this neighborhood, everyone leaves town for Christmas and leaves their presents at home. Yes. <laughs> all of the presents are wrapped under the tree at home. Nobody's going to open them. Well, I wrapped them all, Darlene. Let's go. <laughs> so the, we'll be back January 7th. <laughs> the, first, the first injury that takes place, uh, Kevin, is, he knows that the wet bandits are going to try to rob his home. He's seen them like lurking around outside. He kn- they have figured out that while there is someone home, it's just an eight-year-old and they're fine with whatever, whatever darkness follows that train of thought. They're fine with it. They're going to break in. And so they come to his door and there's like a little pet door and they're knocking on the door and trying to get him to let him in. And they st- he sticks a BB gun through the trap door and shoots them uh, in the groin and in the face with a BB gun. Mm-hmm. So that's the first question. This, this actually probably wouldn't be that bad. Now, uh, disagree. <laughs> that's a hard disagree from the J man. From a medical standpoint, I mean, it's a BB. And I, so in case you're curious, uh, <laughs> classic air powered projectile weapons typically have muzzle velocities of 350 feet per second. I didn't know that. I had to look that up. <laughs> so, I guess that's not fast enough to, like, certainly in the groin. I mean, he's wearing pants. Thank goodness. And so... <laughs> yeah, it, that, would, that movie would have taken on a whole different vibe. <laughs> it, it probably wouldn't break through the fabric. So, I mean, it would hurt his testicle. Like, that would hurt, I assume. But, <laughs> but he would probably, I mean, it would probably heal. And the and when he gets shot in the head, that would probably have broken the skin, but it wouldn't like break his skull or anything. So okay. you know, not, so it's fine. Not terrible. Now there is a series of falls after this. Uh, there's some very icy stairs. Kevin has cleverly uh, hosed down all of the stairways so that the burglars fall a lot as they try to enter the home. And his parents, when they get there, we have to assume do not. Assuming he's salted by that point. And you can assume this same kind of thing. There are multiple falls. He sets up a tripwire for him at some point. He uh, puts a bunch of micro machines that they step on and slip and fall. And in general, from all of these falls, they just kind of get kind of rattled. It's kind of like cartoony, like you expect to see like stars going around their head. And then they just stand up and keep going. And that is probably unrealistic. Yes. Um, especially when they fall, uh, Harry falls down an entire flight of stairs, correct? Right. Going into the basement. And they're hard concrete stairs that are now covered in ice. And he falls all the way down them. I'm expecting definitely some fractures, um, probably some herniated discs. Uh, 
internal bleeding could have resulted. I mean, they're now, falling okay, on hard in surfaces. Def- in deference to Christopher Columbus, the, not that, no, Chris Columbus, sorry. <laughs> the director. In deference to Chris Columbus, uh, uh, he could have been bleeding internally. <laughs> like, we, just, it wasn't depicted on screen, but it's like, there's every chance it's internal, so it's possible. I just think if the first time that they fall down an entire flight of stairs, if they're not suffering some sort of broken bone or something, they're not even limping. By the third time that they fall, something should have happened. Something's gone something wrong. Should yeah. have, something should have gone wrong. Um, the, next, the next injury, and most people probably remember this one. So Kevin has cleverly rigged the front doorknob <laughs> to be very hot. Uh, Put a he's, grill he's, lighter on it, right? Yes, and it is, it is so hot that it is glowing red. That's a really hot doorknob. I mean, if it's glowing red. That's probably could, one of the top three hot doorknobs he's ever touched. You, you could estimate that it could be over 700 degrees. I mean, it's a very hot doorknob. So, the, so when Harry grabs it, Harry grabs it, right? Yeah. And he grabs it. He doesn't just let go quickly either. He grabs it and holds it long enough for comedic effect, which is we, I appreciate. <laughs> um, and to put this in context, if you come into contact with water that's 155 degrees for one second, you'll get a third degree burn. So he's got his full palm on this doorknob for three or four seconds. And, and then his hand, uh, now it has not burst into flame, which it could have. <laughs> That would have been something. <laughs> that seems like a missed opportunity, Chris. Theoretically, it, it could have. Probably not, but it's possible. But it doesn't burst into flame. Um, it, does, it does smoke. And then he sticks it into the snow and it, and it steams. And then he's got a nice M because they're very, they must be very rich. That street? Are you kidding me? <laughs> In this economy? Yeah. They, cause he In has that a, economy, like a, I guess. It was, <laughs> A monogram doorknob for McAllister, and then he has an M on his hand afterwards. That, it was definitely a third-degree burn. At the least, he's going to have a ton of scarring. He's going to have problems with that hand for a long time. He needs to be seen immediately in a hospital. He needs skin grafting. Um, It's never going to function the same. (laughs) Now, okay, untrue. I saw Home Alone 2. He's fine. Now, uh, the, next, the next trap is that, as any eight-year-old in a, in a suburban neighborhood would know, you have access to industrial strength tar whenever you need it. And so he coats the, the stairs from the basement with tar, and this is very effective in removing Marv's shoes. That's not really an injury, but it sets you up for the next injury, which is that he has cleverly hidden one nail sticking straight up on those stairs. It's and he's savagery, in- y'all. It would have gone through the shoe. <laughs> like, it, it's twisted. He, but he's removed his adversary's shoe, so there is no shoe. So instead, of course, and there's only one nail, so the, I mean, the odds that he was going to step on it He knew exactly aren't. what he was doing. <laughs> so, he, so he steps right on the nail. It goes right into his foot. This, of course, would be, I think, incredibly painful. I think we can all agree on that. You're looking at a lot of damage. I mean, it, it's a deep puncture wound, and so definitely it could hit some tendons. You could have a lot of damage, but my bigger concern is infection. So a deep wound like that, and I mean, it, we're assuming it's a dirty nail, and I mean, you could, you could get tetanus. That is one concern, certainly. But you could get all kinds of deep infections and cellulitis. I guess if we're 
playing out the worst case scenario, he ends up with an amputation from this. He doesn't. I saw him one too. <laughs> Uh, he also, while he's in the basement, Kevin has cleverly rigged what, what looks like a, one of those pull string light bulbs to turn on a light in the basement, but instead it's connected to an iron, like an iron you iron your clothes with. And so when he pulls the string, an iron comes it's so down. Good. <laughs> it's really funny. And, and smashes right in his face. It's great. Um, <laughs> now, with that kind of impact, uh, it looks about 15 feet, and iron weighs about four pounds. He definitely broke some bones in his face. I mean, he, he should be walking around the rest of this film with giant raccoon eyes, for sure, a broken nose. Um, it would be very bloody. There should be lots of broken bones there. Uh, and a lot of blood. And <laughs> also, if you get those kind of fractures, you got to worry about like your little eye muscles that make your eyes move can get trapped in those fractures, and then you can't move your eyes. That's a serious emergency. <laughs> this is not addressed. <laughs> Great. Yes, fair. Fair, Dr. McElroy. It is not. <laughs> Correct. Uh... We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box? Pre-prepared? All I got in two minutes? I'm eating filet mignon? That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going Squarespace, to— Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool—think of it as— the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support 
and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Eventually, at some point, he gives up coming up through the basement and ends up climbing through a window, Mm -hmm. which I don't blame him after all those injuries. So he climbs through a window and steps directly into a bunch of glass Christmas ornaments that Kevin has cleverly left on the ground there uh, for someone to step on. Now, this is probably after already getting smashed in the face with an iron and having a nail driven through your foot. This is probably pretty benign. I mean, it's going to be, let me say this, he really steps on all those glass ornaments. Like, he doesn't even try to avoid them. He just continues to grind that glass into his bare feet because he's lost his shoes. Uh, And that would take a long time to pick out all that glass, which is what you'd need to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, you're probably wondering, but what's going on with Marv? Well... (laughs) That's what I was, you read my mind. (laughs) No, Harry. We already talked about Marv. Harry. So Harry has, (laughs) he has, he has decided, uh, he, he checks the cat trap door, the cat door. There's no, there's no BB gun there. He checks the doorknob that it's not hot. So he is bursting through the back door. He's coming in. He's very angry at this child now. And as he comes bursting through the door, it is rigged to a blowtorch. And as he pushes his way into the door, the blowtorch goes off right on his head and he stands in that flame it's like seven seconds it's a long time they should have been called the slow reacting bandits (laughs) Uh, he stands and screams and is clearly in agony for a very long time as the top of his head is being burned with the blowtorch and then he runs out and again sticks his head in the snow and I mean the worst it's like oh he's lost some hair and his hat is gone uh, this this kind of intensity of flame for that duration of time probably would have melted his skull to some extent. <laughs> You've definitely lost, I mean, the skin and the hair and the hat, fine. But there's probably going to be some areas where the skull is actually, <laughs> like, open now. <laughs> that was not addressed. <laughs> So skull melted. At this point, they shouldn't even do that. Like skull shouldn't. Harry is still alive against all odds, but he should not be. Uh, Just from this alone, there there are more injuries to come. But just from that alone, that should be the end of Harry. Uh, Now. Before I get into the, the rest of the havoc that Kevin wreaks on these, I actually be, I've, I'm, beginning to, I'm beginning to feel sorry for the wet bandits at this point. Um, one question that as, I was, uh, as I've seen this film and I've, I've read about all these injuries and thought about like what would happen, I started to wonder about the legality of all this. Because it seems strange. I know you're allowed to defend your own home, but I feel like there's a limit, right? Mm-hmm. 
like to what you can do legally to yeah. people who are trying to invade your home. Correct. That there's like stop them from hurting me, and then there's like torturing them. But we don't know. But I don't know because I'm just a doctor. I'm not a legal expert. So we thought we would invite some family. So um, please welcome uh, the hosts of Court Appointed, uh, Michael Meadows and Tommy Sproul. Michael, if you don't listen to Court Appointed, Michael's an actual lawyer, so we wanted to get a quick, quick opinion from them. Uh, guys, first of all, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Mary, joyous candle nights to you. Uh, so what's the story on Kevin's sort of uh, castle doctrine here? Well, the first thing you got to look at, and uh, it took place in Illinois and Chicago, I believe, correct? Yeah. All right, so we got to look at Illinois law and okay. see what takes place there. So Illinois actually does have a castle doctrine, and they have something on the books, and it's uh, 720 ILCS. I'm not an Illinois lawyer. I don't know what that stands for. Uh, <laughs> but Illinois it's... law code. Oh. Superior. <laughs> sure. I think you made that one up. <laughs> but anyway. You just have to say it with confidence. That's a secret. <laughs> it stands for Illinois law code su- superior. You got it. Good. Uh, I bought it. <laughs> And it reads, uh, use of force in defense of dwelling. And a person is justified in the use of force against another when and to the extent that he reasonably believes that such conduct is necessary to prevent or terminate such other's unlawful entry into or attack upon a dwelling. So they have the castle doctrine there. So Kevin's cool. Well, for the most part. Like any, any good law, it goes on. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's some exceptions. And the use of exce- or force, that is, well, it says, the use of force which is intended or likely to cause death or great bodily harm, which I, I understand that most of these are. We're talking about melt, melting skulls. Yeah, and, you know. yeah. yeah. Uh, so, don't burn a hole in your head. <laughs> we don't address that one, but I, I hope that's self-explanatory. Don't do that, by the way. Don't burn a hole in your head. So you're allowed to use this kind of uh, excessive force or great bodily harm if, and there's two exceptions, the entry is made or attempted in a violent, riotous, or tumultuous manner, and he reasonably believes that such force is necessary to prevent an assault upon or offer personal violence to him or another in the dwelling. Okay, tumultuous, yes, I would grant. They're very tumultuous people, by and large. Well, they leave all the water on in the house. Yeah, for sure. That's what tumultuous means. Well, (laughs) it's reckless. It's reckless for sure. Um, But they would probably have, I mean, I guess they could have left whenever they wanted, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, weren't there some kind of overt threats they made to Kevin when they were trying to come in the house? Yeah, I guess that's true. They do. They do. I mean, they do. Well, it's like that, we're going to get you, you little pipsqueak kind of stuff. Oh, that's pretty serious. Yeah. (laughs) And they, and also they had killed all those other people. <laughs> I don't. They think cut that's that out. True. That's on the in the collector set. They have some deleted scenes, and they kill a bunch of people. <laughs> it makes the whole thing make a lot more sense, honestly. Well, I think where Kevin loses that argument is he's having too much fun doing it. That's a very good point, Tommy. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it up. He is uh, enjoying himself a great deal. <laughs> I think the little twerp just has a torture fetish going on. <laughs> that sounds about right. He, he does seem to be acting with a lot of malice. Does that matter? 
Well, I mean, it could matter. And uh, there's actually this, this law goes on to read that there is an exception that you're not going to have any civil liability for any kind of uh, defense of your home. So basically, if somebody tries to break into your house and you use force to defend it and then you hurt them and then they try to sue you for the injuries that you, uh, I guess, put on them with the paint buckets or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So anyway, there's a bar for uh, any kind of civil litigation from that. But one of the exceptions is, is that the, uh, you're actually allowed to sue them if the use of force involves willful or wanton misconduct. So that's an exception. So Kevin may be in trouble civilly for this, I think. <laughs> I never addressed that. We, you know, since Kevin's so little, they'd probably have to take it to small claims court. Woof. Woof's a daisy. Got that dad joke in. <laughs> <laughs> What about what about the idea of the like setting traps, like the things that he doesn't directly do to them? Well, but but like, what if he wasn't there? You set all these traps and then you just go hide. Somewhere. Tell him about the spring gun. Tell him about the spring gun. Oh, Tommy! Tommy hears me talk about spring guns all the time. It's my favorite subject I learned about in law school. <laughs> so, a spring gun is a gun that you rig at your house, like with a shotgun pointing at a window with a wire. So, if somebody opens the window, the gun shoots the window. Okay. Now, basically, it, it, uh, it, can't, it doesn't discriminate. It just shoots somebody, and nobody's at the house. So the reason this is such an interesting thing in the legal field is because it illustrates the principle that you're not allowed to use deadly force to defend property. So that's kind of the So difference. Kevin does have to stay to wage this battle. He, he has does. to be present for it, the whole thing. Yeah, he yeah if he leaves and leaves the traps behind, then he's liable. Oh, okay. that's a whole different thing. Because right. then he doesn't have that component of you know, personal, personal fear. All right. So. Could you could you ever make the argument in court? Hey, kid, why didn't you just call the cops? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I usually base my arguments off who's paying me, so it kind of depends. Like, all right, thank. You get, please, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a big round of applause for Michael Meadows and Tommy Swirl of Court of Money Fame. We've got a. Uh, all right, Sid. We got some other injuries. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have a, we have a few more injuries to talk about. There is, the, there is a classic scene where somebody gets uh, sort of tarred and feathered. It gets, that part gets dark. It's like, yeah, Kevin, <laughs> we know. You're, you're winning. Yeah. Okay? It's not really, I don't know that it's an injury. It's just, yeah. It, again, I think he's acting with malice. But then, then we're, we've got to discuss the, I think what everybody, if you like Home Alone, if you've seen it, you remember the paint cans so Kevin has rigged these paint cans, we'll assume they're full, from the top of the banister, at the stairway going into the house, so that as they start to climb the stairs towards him, he can let them go and they swing down and smack both of the burglars right in the forehead. So again, assuming that these paint cans are full, that's about 10 pounds, they are hitting, they are hitting them in the face with roughly two kilo newton of force in the face, ah. which should be enough again. Now, we have, we have already established that Marv has broken many bones in his face, but to break any bones that aren't broken, it should, cho- it should totally smash their noses, their orbits. Um, they, they should sustain multiple fractures, and then at the same time, neither of them should have any teeth left after this. And they probably now have some intracranial hemorrhaging going on. Okay. 
And that's in addition to the melted skull. (laughs) Okay. Now, the tarantula, which we mentioned was set up earlier in the film, Mm -hmm. we knew it was coming back because it's been wandering around the house. The tarantula is used really not so much as a weapon as an instrument of fear. Uh, in order to escape when uh, they've, they've almost captured Kevin and in order to get away, he sees the tarantula, he grabs it, and he places it on Harry's face. There's really Marsh. no reason to be Harry's afraid of, of ranchos. They're, um, <laughs> they're, they're, a lot of people are getting way into them and I don't even think they should be that tripped out by them. No, I, I, I agree with you. I actually don't think there's really any injury here. He just freaked him out. Perfect. They should know better, really. Uh, but what this results in is Harry tries to very helpfully <laughs> remove the tarantula from Marv by swinging a crowbar at it. Um, don't worry, the tarantula is not harmed. It escapes. Uh, but he does smack his partner in crime in the chest with a crowbar very hard. And his reaction to this is just kind of a, oh, man. <laughs> And that would not be his reaction. Uh, for, he definitely, I mean, he, it was right on his sternum. He definitely cracked some ribs there. Um, maybe that ended up with a punctured lung. Uh, you have to worry about, I mean, there's that whole thing where if you hit somebody in the chest right at the right moment, maybe he made his heart stop. I don't know. I just know that he should walk away with definitely some broken bones in his okay. chest. For okay. sure. And maybe a stopped heart. <laughs> Well, he's not walking away with that. Fair. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Dr. McElroy. They, they again, they almost catch him They're, when he, uh, he zip lines from the house to his treehouse in a very cool, mo- cool moment. I, I think, think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, and they try to follow him along the rope, climbing along the rope, and he uh, gets the hedge clippers and cuts the rope, and so both of them swing down, fall from the rope, fall from, I don't know, about 10, 15 feet. So something like that. Anyway, and again, a lot of these same kind of injuries, I would expect some fractures. I would expect probably some spinal damage at this point. Fun, cool. You know, some <laughs> perhaps to the cervical spine. Maybe they're paralyzed. Hilarious. We don't know. They seem to get up from this pretty easily. Oh, stop. I'm in stitches. And, <laughs> and they chase him into the neighbor's house where he is finally calling the police and they catch him now. And at this moment, before the, before the final entry of the film, they catch him. And they are, I will say, they, they do mean to inflict damage on this, on this poor eight-year-old boy. Yeah, because they say, like, we're going to bite every one of your fingers off or something. Yes. And you may be wondering, can you bite a finger off? <laughs> are you? That's, yeah. Sid. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I was wondering if you can bite a finger off. And I would say, of course you can. Um... <laughs> Especially if you go through a joint. I mean, I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying you could. Okay. Uh, but the, the, the moment of truth seems to have arrived. We're worried about little Kevin. But then the kindly neighbor man who Kevin has been... Hello, I'm kindly neighbor man. <laughs> who Kevin had been afraid of until he realized he was just a nice guy. Spoiler alert. Uh, comes up... I think we've already done that. Comes up behind the wet bandits and smashes them on the head and then the face with a snow shovel. Now, this blow actually knocks them out. <laughs> this 
that's a good shovel. <laughs> Listen, I know what these cats should have inf- inflicted already on themselves. That's a very good shovel. It uh, Really, of all the things that they've survived, I would not expect this to be the thing that causes them to be unconscious, but it is. Um, and so if they have been hit hard enough to lose consciousness... Again, we're probably dealing with, at the very least, a concussion, but probably some intracranial bleeding or some sort of other injury. And it, with combined with everything else that they've been through through the evening, um, I'd be very worried about their mental status at the end of this. I certainly don't think they're going to walk out to the car in handcuffs to the police car screaming like they do. Yeah, yelling the more, at the, kid. The, more you, the morgue should get them said. <laughs> it's a great point. Happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> was fun. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Folks, we have so much more for you tonight. Candlelights is just beginning. I hope you're pumped. We've got more podcasts and more fun for you, and it's going to be one heck of a night. Uh, thank you to the taxpayers for the Let's Use Your Song of Medicines is the intro and outro of our program. Thank you to Maximum Fun Network for having us as part of their extended podcasting family. Thank you to the beautiful uh, City Hall Auditorium and, uh, and uh, the City of Huntington. Thank you to you for coming here to our house. I promise we'll put on a good show for you. <laughs> but uh, until next time here on Sawbones, my name is Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.